yeah, so listen, I'm usually not, uh, usually never really nervous uh, when I speak, but my voice went out on me four days ago. October is the biggest month of the year for me. I get the opportunity to speak to about four to 8,000 kids in the state of Kentucky inside of public schools. Um, I, had a, I had an event yesterday, you know, just a lot of things going, and I felt like that I've really been under attack, a lot of attacks over the past couple weeks going on. So if you wouldn't care as I open up in prayer, just say a little prayer for me because I don't like to, I don't like to speak under pressure and I don't like to, to speak and feel nervous about it. Um, I, I love you guys. You guys are my family and I want to feel like I have the liberty to be able to flow when my voice go out and whatever happened. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to believe that the Lord's going to keep me and strengthen me uh, over the next little bit that we got together. So let's pray together. Jesus, God, this is your time. This is your word. We're here to just honor you today. God, we want to lift you up. Lord, I pray that you would use me as a vessel right now, God, and that you would keep me, that you would strengthen me, God, that you would push back any fear, any, any anxiety, anything, Father God, that's in my mind, and just allow me to enjoy you through this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Children of the light. Um, this is going to be big for me. This is huge for me. This is this scripture that I'm about to share with you, Ephesians 5 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Um, this message that I'm about to share with you probably impacted my life more deeply than I can explain, obviously, than any other scripture except the love of God that drawed me to Him as far as what needed to be changed inside of me. So it's going to be really good, I believe. I'm trusting the Lord. About a month and a half ago, He opened it up to me and told me that I could speak on it, so I was really excited about it. And so I want to talk about this, the, ch the children of light, Ephesians 5. We're going to be reading out of verses 8, um, 8 through 11. Uh, but getting in here, Ephesians 5, the first verse coming out the door is this. Therefore be imitators of God, dear children. Verse 1. I mean, that's, that's intimidating. <laughs> Therefore be imitators of God. As dear children. And then we go down and we get into verse 8. And this is where it begins to break out at. And this really has impacted my life. And I'm hoping to share it with you guys. Verse 8. For we were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Amen. Walking in the light. Walking in the light. Dear children. Walk in the light as he is in the light. How do you walk in the light? What does it look like to walk in the light? What does it look like to imitate light or have the personality or the heart of your father? This is really important to understand because as we're getting into this, I love the part because it says, walk as children of the light and then it stops and it puts on these things and it says, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. It didn't go down and list all the fruits of the Spirit. 
It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's the place where the, where the fruits flow from. It's the place where the fruits dwell. It's the heart that you have that allows those things to flow from you. And so that's what I want to get into. I want to talk about the Father's heart. I want to talk about these three things, and I want to go through here and begin to identify these things. And I love that it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and as I was going over this, I was looking at the pastors here, and I was just seeing these things throughout their life. You know, for me, like, I, I love listening to testimonies, and I love hearing the testimonies. Some of the greatest testimonies that have impacted me within the church, you know what I mean, Tim being one of them, is, is living with them, seeing these things come out of their life, watching these things happen. The evidence flowing outside of them is one of the greatest encouragements to my life. And so, reflecting your Father's heart, it's not the same as repeating the works that your father does. For example, I can take on inheritance of, of my father's business. I can do the works that my father's does, and, I, and that can reflect him. People can look at that and say, you know, that's his son. He took upon his works. But there's something a lot deeper. There's a, there's a more powerful imitation of your father that reflects from the personality of your heart. When somebody says, yeah, your father was the same way. Oh, yeah, your dad, that temper, that came from your dad right there. I, I remember that temper right there. there. There's a deeper imitation that comes to the personality of the heart that, that things flow from. And so that's what I want to be able to get into, and that's what I want to be able to talk about is having the heart of your father. So the first thing that I want to talk about is goodness. The heart that reflects fulfillment and you got to think listen for for my guys at chad's hope that are coming in you got to understand this when we're talking about light and we're going through these things this is this is the core message that i'm giving my guys some of the things that we're breaking down in this and is, is people that's literally coming straight out of the kingdom of darkness and stepping into the kingdom of light and saying what is this and this is what we give them number one goodness the heart that reflects fulfillment 1 John 1, 4 says this, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full, that your joy may be complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. It is an amazing thing when you, when you spend your whole entire life pursuing after things to fulfill you, when you spend your whole entire life chasing things to find a fulfillment, and then you get to encounter something for the first time in your life, and it actually fills you. You get to experience a peace, a peace, a joy. When you get to experience the contentment of God, Listen, I cannot tell you how many times the lifestyle of contentment that is in Jesus Christ. You know, they were singing this song up here earlier, and I was thinking that, Lord, there's nothing better than you. Do you know how powerful of a statement that is? Do we really even believe that? Lord, there is nothing that's better than you. Nothing. And when I encountered Jesus Christ, even though... I was shooting up, and I was having sex, and I was watching porn, and I was smoking cigarettes, and anything that would release pleasure. 
a little bit of pleasure, a lot of pleasure, anything that would release pleasure into my life, I was doing it. And I encountered a lot a love that began to fill me. And I experienced for the first time in my life peace. Peace. And what I come to know is this, is that walking on the journey, listen, circumstances do not determine or create contentment in somebody's life. I've seen people sit right in the middle of God's perfect will for their life, but inside of them be destroyed and distraught and unfulfilled and unsatisfied because they're not looking for it and they don't want it. You see it right in the garden. You see it right in the garden, perfection. And all of a sudden when you start listening to the enemy and you start looking at the fruit of this world and you start looking at the things of this world and it becomes desirable to your heart, all of a sudden you begin to lust after other things that aren't fulfilling, that don't bring you peace, that don't bring you joy. There is this place in Christ that is good. That is good. You know, lot, man. When you, when you think about light, listen, light, the first, the, the, the first account of history that we even have, when, when we're looking back in Scripture, as far as we can go back, you know the first words that came out of God's mouth? Let there be light. The, the apostle that Jesus loved, John, one of the most intimate people that we see with Jesus Whenever he opens up his accounts of the gospel and he begins to identify who Jesus is, one of the way he describes him as light. We are described as light. The kingdom is described as light. So this light is very essential. And God said in Genesis, in Genesis 1, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good. That it was good. And God divided the light from darkness. See, there is a separation between the two kingdoms. There is a separation between light and darkness. And there's no other option besides the two. You're either in one or the other, period. You're either in one kingdom or the other kingdom. And both kingdoms have separate laws. Both kingdoms have separate laws that we live by. There's a kingdom of this world, and the thing is, the kingdom of darkness, it masquerades as light. It talks to you as if it's light. Oh, you need this. You will never be fulfilled if you don't have this. And it begins to speak to you and talk to you, but unless you know and experience the light that is in Christ, it will deceive you and you will think that you are in the light. You will think... That you are in the light. Galatians 5. 16 says this. It says, if we walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Listen, listen. When I first met my wife, and she'd probably kill me for sharing this. When I first met my wife, I was a mess. I was a mess, man. I was trying to work through things. I was trying to, I was, I was encountering God. He was working on me. And uh, I was single. 
I was talking to all these girls at one time, and we were all just friends. I wasn't doing anything. We were all just friends. So my wife steps up and is like, look, you're not going to lead me on. You're either going to talk to one person or I'm leaving, and we're not going to be friends. And I'm like, that's crazy. I ain't leading these people on. So I went and talked to one of the girls, and I'm like, you think that one day me and you are going to be together even though I told you it would never happen? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but but I, I had to make a decision. Now, let me tell you what happened. I wasn't used to seeking out in the spirit. I wasn't used. Now, I, I'm, I, I was new. I was new to stepping into the kingdom of light. And at this point in time in my life, I wasn't used to stepping out in the spirit and finding confirmation through God and knowing his ways past my own ways. So I step back and there's these six, seven girls and I'm just looking at them and I'm like, there's this flesh there. There's this flesh there. Because I'm telling you this, that the flesh never chooses the thing of the Spirit. And when you walk in your flesh your whole entire life, it's just like habit to choose out of the flesh. What does the flesh want? And at first, at first, whenever I'm looking at all these girls, I went left instead of right. I was like, well, the flesh sounds good on this. I can probably move a whole lot faster over here and get what I want over here. Then I could go if I got with my wife and had to wait this thing out until marriage. And my wife got really upset. And she was really mad that my flesh didn't choose her. But what happened was when I went out with this girl, the Spirit of God. Oh, it grieved me so bad. I'm talking about I went and hung out with this person and the Spirit of God was just grieving me and eating me alive. And I knew, I knew. I'm like, well, thank you, God. And I called my wife and I said, I, I choose you. I put everything to the side. I won't talk to anybody. I, I choose you. But it was because of the Spirit of God. It was because of the Spirit. Not because of the flesh. And there's no greater honor on the face of this planet than to be chosen because of the Spirit. Not saying that God can't make things, renew things, make things shift and change if you wasn't at that process at the time things began. But I'm telling you, in the beginning, I had to work out how to choose between the spirit and the flesh because they contradict each other. The flesh is always seeking to fulfill the flesh. And I see it all the time. Listen how simple this is. Even in my own life, Christian music. I'll be jamming to some Christian music. I love Christian music. I'll be listening to contemporary music. And then all of a sudden, some 80s song come on, Three Doors Down. I'm here without you. And man, I'm like, oh, yes. I love that song. Like, turn that sucker up. You know what I mean? Like, this is that jam. But that's that flesh. It has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. It's that flesh drawing you back in to say, you need to feed this stuff. You need to get into this stuff. First John, John, John 1, John 1. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness did not comprehend it. I see all the time decisions being made. In Him was life. When we choose this life to follow Jesus, sometimes we're making decisions and other people, they can't understand it. Why would you give up a, a, a hunch? The most money you'll ever make in your life. Benefits. Everything. To cut it in almost half or more than half to stay at a church. You're doing ministry there. Why would you give up your job and leave everything that you're comfortable with and make these sacrifices where you know that you're going to struggle, you know there's going to be things? It doesn't make sense to the carnal mind, to the mind that's seeking the protection, the monetary status, the fulfillment of this world. It doesn't make sense to make sacrifices. I see it played out all the time. And it's a very powerful thing. Listen, there was a point in my life that I was speaking and I was going into these schools. And I mean, I was, I was traveling every single day. Every day. I was speaking to two, three schools a day. I was getting five, six hundred dollars an hour. I'd go in. Bow, 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 bow. I was making fifteen, sixteen, twenty thousand dollars every two or three weeks. And I went and heard the Nationals' greatest speaker, and I sat under him. He was the number one top speaker in the nation. I sat under him, and everything inside of me knew, I'm better than that. I'm better than that. You can call it envy. You can call it what it is. But I, I, I've learned. I mean, listen, that dude spoke for an hour and a half in a high school. First point, you don't speak for an hour and a half in a high school. 40 minutes tops. 45. You don't speak for an hour and a half. So I knew that I had something more effective. And the door opened to me. Within three weeks, I created a Facebook and over, you know, four or five thousand people started getting on it. And the media opened up to me and I was on, you know, I was partnering up. I was on these radio stations. I was making these videos. I was, I was doing these things. I was starting to record for cable. I was starting to do all this stuff. And I knew that I could achieve. I could achieve it. It was there for me. And I'm telling you, as I begin to touch that thing, it's like I look back and my family was crumbling. And it was empty. And I was never there. But all these people were encountering God in front of me. And all these lives were being changed. And these people on suicide. And these people I was ministering to. Every effective ministry. And then when I would look back, my wife was crying, begging me to just sit down and eat supper. And I had to shut that door. And I had to step back and say, God, I'm, I just want you. I just want what you want. And I had to sit down and I had to identify, God, what do you want? And some people may think that I'm crazy. Why did you give all that stuff up? Why did you do that stuff? Because I know me. And I know the call on my life. This is so important. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is, this is so important. Living a fulfilled life 
isn't about striving and reaching the greatest achievements you can possibly consider. It's about finding God's calling for your life and flowing in it. And it took me a while to realize that. For me, I wanted to trump everybody. I wanted to achieve, and there's nothing wrong with achieving those things. Some, some people are called to achieve those things. But I had to find God's calling for my life. And I'm telling you, when I pushed all that stuff back, all the money, all the attention, all the publicity, all that stuff back, and I just sat down with my family, man, I had more peace, I had more joy, I had more fulfillment than I've ever had in my life. A life more abundant, more abundant. But we have to be sensitive to what God's calling us to. And make sure our own personal fleshly ambitions aren't getting in the way. Listen, that's a lot of money. That flesh jump up there real quick and start talking to you. Hey, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, Dean Socks, I went to pick Dean up from the airport. Three weeks ago, he <clears throat> flew in on a private jet, probably a $2 million-plus jet. And I went to pick him up, and we're in the car together. <clears throat> and he's calling, uh, who was he calling? John Bevere. He called John Bevere in front of me. He was talking to John Bevere, and then he called, he called Kenneth Copeland and was like, hey, thank you so much for the jet, blah, blah, And then Dean looks at me, and he said, Forrest, he said, if you could have all the resources in the world to do whatever you want to do for the kingdom of God, if you could do anything, if, if God told you, I will give you the unlimited amount of money, resources, whatever you need to impact the kingdom of God. He said, what would you be doing? And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, Dean, I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. And you know what he said? He said, Forrest, do you know how few men in my life that has ever answered me that? I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. This is my call. It's not about those achievements and all that stuff and I need to do more. I just need to find my call and then flow in it. Amen? Amen. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. God has a good calling for your life. God has a flow. I know when I'm out of my flow. Like, when I'm not connecting with God, it's not about, oh, I need to read more, and I need to pray more, and I need to fast more, and I do these things. I can tell when I'm out of my flow. Like, sometimes I'll get off track, and I can sense that I'm not in that flow of peace. I'm not in that flow of contentment. Like, I know that I need to get back to where I need to be. And it's not this overwhelming place that, oh, you just need to do more and more and more. No, there's a river there. I just, I just got to stay in that river. That's it. That's my calling. That's my path. That's my relationship with God. That's where he's calling me to be. All right. I got to keep moving. Number two, righteousness. The heart that reflects freedom. Listen, seeing freedom in a life is a powerful reflection of God's work in your heart. There's so many people, I remember Clay talking one day, we were down on Bridge Street and he walked into this house and talking to this dude and this dude wild. I mean, 
The same day I was down on Bridge Street and he was in there trying to hit his mama, climbing up on top of her, trying to beat her, and guys trying to climb my, and Clay talking to him about Jesus, and he said, I got, I got Jesus. I, I got Jesus. I said a prayer. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven if anything's sad. Freedom. The heart that reflects freedom. I'm telling you, when you're transferred into the kingdom of light, there's this freedom that begins to take place in your life. But also, I, I want to let's walk through some things. Romans 6. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we say that sin because shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to something as obedient slaves, that you are slaves of who you obey, whether slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that through though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart. You have come to obey from your heart. The pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. Righteousness is imputed to the heart. It's a heart thing. It's imputed, it's not earned. And, and one of my favorite scriptures, and one thing I do want to break down, that I want to go through this. One of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Listen, Satan, what he wants to do is he wants to come and attack your freedom, and he just wants to do the first part of that verse. When you mess up, Satan's there saying you just fail again. You just fail again. You ain't no righteous man. Look at you. Falling. That's, that's the seventh time you fail. One day. Just whatever it is. But the freedom, the freedom that God speaks of is in the getting back up. It's in the rising. It's not whether or not you make mistakes or not. It's not whether all you straw. The freedom of God doesn't leave you in sin. The freedom of God doesn't leave you in the bondage of sin. The freedom of God will always pick you back up. Satan wants to look at our failures. You know, the last time, listen, I messed up. I guess it was, in my mind, it was probably three and a half months ago, something three, four months ago. I messed up again seven times. Uh, I called Clay, and man, I, I, get, I get so sick of calling people and telling them I messed up, but. I called Clay, and I told Clay, I said, look, Clay, first of all, I'm going to tell you right now, don't ask me to speak again for three months. <laughs> I want to speak. That shame hit me. Let me tell you, I, I messed up, and every time I messed up, Satan's voice immediately comes into my mind, and he says, look at this failure, and I can feel this fog come over my mind that I can't even think straight. It's like, why did you do that? And all these questions start to circulate in my mind. I'm telling you, this last time I fell, the power of God came into the room so strong and said, Son, I delight in you. 
father corrects the son in whom he delights. He came in and exposed me in my sin, and then he sat down next to me and took me, and he said, son, I want you to know that I delight in you, that you're my son, that I love you, that, that we can get up. It's okay. And then that part of my brain, he said, don't even answer those questions. Don't even answer them. Why did you do this? Don't answer that. Why are you doing this? Don't answer that. He just wouldn't even let me process that side of my brain. And all of a sudden, peace filled my heart. And I was in right standing with God immediately. That's the fastest he's ever pulled me up. And I encountered something right there with God. Clay was talking to me last night. He said something profound to me. He said, when we fall, we fall on the floor of righteousness. When we fall, we fall on the floor of righteousness. There's this, me and Clay was, was back and forth. I had all these freedom things. I had about ten of them. He wouldn't let me use them all. He said, pick one. <laughs> I, I won't read them all. Uh, but I, I want to read this one. Listen, freedom isn't defined by living a perfect life. Freedom is defined by receiving the grace and power of Christ to rise again when we fail. Freedom, freedom is because we have the power of God living inside of us and the grace of God living inside of us that when we fall, that grace and that power doesn't keep us there. It's not saying, look at you falling again. Look at you messing up again. All freedom is is saying, no, we're getting back up. And that's what a righteous man is. A righteous man is a man that gets back up. You want to know what a righteous man looks like? I, it's not somebody that messes up all the time. It's somebody that gets back up all the time. I respect, you know, my buddy. I've been working with him for 10 years, and he's went through 10 programs. Graduated all 10 of them. But I cannot help to respect that man because every time he messes up and falls, he gets back up. And I have this great hope in my heart that one day he's going to get it. Amen. Amen. I mean, he's walking it out. Micah 7, 8. Listen, I love this verse. My goodness. You talking about a tattoo on the forehead verse. <laughs> I mean, I'm for real. <laughs> Shoot, I mean, I need to put this in my mirror that I just can't even see past it, and I just got to look at it. But I'm telling you, this verse is good. Micah 7, 8, it says, Listen, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will rise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I'm telling you, you got to tell that enemy. He's going to take every opportunity that he thinks that he can get in your life. Every single little time you mess up. <clears throat> Every time you do something, he's going to be there and he's going to be talking to you and saying, oh man, look at that righteous man. Look at that righteous man laying on the floor. I'm telling you that, listen, Jesus loves you. He died for you. And when we fall, we fall on the floor of righteousness. And Jesus is laying there is saying, you are my son. I have exposed you. I am correcting you because I love you. Get back up.
that Micah, man, that Micah gets me like, that, that one verse about Caleb saying, this is my mount. Like, Micah gets me jacked up. Like, hey, listen here, don't rejoice over me. Uh, I'm going to get back up. First <clears throat> John 1, 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us <clears throat> from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. <clears throat> Freedom is found in turning to God in our failures. Freedom is found in turning to God in our failures. I just want to be able to express in this, in this part, in this heart, and what it reflects in somebody's life. A heart that reflects freedom is a heart that says, I'm not staying here. I messed up. I, I may mess up again, but when I fall, I'm going to rise. Period. When I fall, I will get back up. When I find myself in darkness, the light of Jesus is going to come there. And rescue me. The last thing I want to say on this is this. This is the condemnation. When, 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 you look at, when you look at things and you look at freedom and you look at the heart of freedom, this is the condemnation, Scripture says. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and man loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil, for everyone practices evil, hates the light, and does not want to come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. The heart that reflects freedom is the heart that loves the light. And this last point is going to get us into the third point. And the third point is this, truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. The heart that makes manifest. That's, that's a weird saying. Clay about taught me and he's changing it. But he's like, oh, never mind. That's good. <laughs> the heart that makes manifest. Verse 11, Ephesians 5, verse 11. It says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of the darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Breaking free from the darkness. When I talk about one, this chapter being my favorite chapter in the Bible, when I talk about God had to take me through a season, one of the major things, when I transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, there was this law. There was a law. A law of darkness that I lived in my whole life. I was loyal to that law. And I didn't know that I had to give it up. And when I stepped into the kingdom of light. The Lord began to speak to me. And show me because darkness was surrounding me. These people that I loved. That I was going to the program with. They would come and they would show me pornography. And I'd be like oh, man I don't, I don't want that stuff. You do you. And I would watch them just sit over there and look at stuff. When I would come, these people would come in and bring alcohol in and show it to me. And they'd say, hey, we're going to get drunk. Do you want to come? No, nah, bro, you're good, bro. I ain't going to say nothing. You do you. I don't want nothing to do with that. 
I was so loyal to the law of darkness my whole life. Listen, the law of darkness says we conceal things, we hide things, we never expose. Two, two times I served out prison sentences when me and my friends were in robbery and burglary and they were with me. And when the cops would come and ask us, even though they were a part of it with me, I was always the dude that was so loyal and so faithful that said, you ain't getting nothing from me. I'm not saying anything. I'm not writing anything. Look at me. Who do you think that I am? Send me to jail. And both of my buddies would write out a statement and say, look, we did this and we were there. But they said, well, since you talked and since you gave us this statement, you get to go free. And both times, I was the only one that ever served any time because I was loyal to a law that says I will not expose. And then I got put into a place in my life and darkness began to reveal itself to me. And I said, I don't want anything you got but you can stay here I won't say nothing I don't want to do that but you can stay there I'm not listen listen to what Matthew says no one let's see is it Matthew that I've got up here I don't know if I put it up there listen it says no one when he has lit a lamp puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. For the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part, the whole body will be full of light, as when a bright, shining lamp gives light to a room. Listen, what God's saying is this. Listen, we're not called as Christians to be a light to this world that when dark comes up and reveals itself to us, we allow that bushel to cover our light and we don't shine on it. We don't say anything about it. We say, look, you can trust me. I'm not going to say nothing. Oh, my best friend's homosexual. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to say nothing. All my other dudes getting high every day. Well, that's, that's his life. He knows that I don't like that. I ain't going to say nothing. I had to break this code in my life. My, my friend that was with me in this ministry, God began to convict me so bad. I came downstairs. I remember I was eating my food one day, and my buddy was upstairs, and he came to me and said, Force, I'm leaving. I said, Why? He said, Because this is the same as the street. I can get drunk here. I can smoke cigarettes here. I can do, they got cell phones. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm leaving. I went downstairs. I was eating my food. And God said, I want you to bring this to light. And I thought that was Satan speaking to me. Bring it to light. I ain't telling on nobody. I ain't never told on nobody in my life. What you talking about? Bring this to light. He told me again, so I got up and I went and told my program director, I said, I've never done this in my life, but I'm going to tell you right now, all these things are going on in your house, in your ministry. And his eyes got huge. Oh, my gosh. And I went out and I looked at every man in the face. And I said, I want you to know that I just went in there and I told on everything going on in this house. And you talking about trial? You talking about being persecuted? I wake up, walk out my door, and cheese laying out inside of my door. I've never been called a rat in my life. But something broke inside of me. 
I broke this law of the kingdom of darkness in my heart. And then God began to use me to go to my brother and speak to my brothers and say, listen, man, I love you, bro. But I, I love you so much that I'm not going to let you sit there in that sin. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't get rid of that cell phone, if you don't start looking at porn every night, I'm going to tell on you. <laughs> big dude, bro. I had a big scar down his eye. UFC fighter killed a dude. Got off of it. They split us up out of rooms whenever they came in to talk to us. I told on them, and the dude was in there. He's like, I'm about to beat this dude up. And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> but listen, God used it. And listen, three days later, he came outside, and I was on the front porch, and he had tears running down his face. And he got me to the side and shook my hand. He said, I respect you as a man. All those dudes that I was, I was the youngest guy in the house and they were doing life in prison and come out and they all pulled me aside after making fun of me and condemning me and laughing at me and they were crying and they were weeping and they were looking at me in the eyes saying, I respect you as a man. Listen, we as light, real genuine light cannot allow darkness to reveal itself to us and then we don't even just, we just sit back. Now, I'm not saying to go and condemn everything and expose everything. There's a way to go about things that is deeply in love, the mature Christian. Those who are mature among you should reprove your brother whenever he is in sin. Those who are spiritual among you. Are you afraid to be called a spiritual person? I'm a spiritual person. And when I got a friend, when I got darkness revealing itself around me, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to that thing in love and gentleness, and I'm going to have a conversation so that darkness knows that I'm light. I'm light. I love you. And you may just continue to go your way, and guess what? I'm going to be here. But one thing that I want to let you know is that I'm light. And it burdens my heart that I see in the scripture what it says about homosexuality. And I believe it. And I love you. And I just want to be able to express myself to you without any condemnations, without me feeling like I'm beating you down. I just want you to know that I love you. That I'm here. I've seen the power of God move in my life. So radical. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You're not supposed to be hidden. You're not supposed to let the world run around you and parade around you and let it think that you're one of them. I had to learn how to break the law of the kingdom of darkness out of my heart and embrace the law of light and truth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I've seen, I've seen all these things in our leaders here. You guys have no clue. I get anxiety at Chad's Hope. I'm a pastor there, a leader there, a minister there. I have to kick guys out all the time. Their life in my hands. I have to make decisions all the time about dismissing them to go back out. It's very heavy. But when I come into the church, 
you know, do you know how many times that Clay actually has to go and have conversations with people? It's quite often. And I'm telling you this right now, it's not easy. It's never easy. But it's light. It's what we do. It's what we do. And I want to encourage you to be spiritual. To embrace this light. To reflect this light. Amen. Amen. So let me let me pray over us. I'm going to pray out. I'm going to go ahead and end it right here. Jesus. God, we thank you for light. We thank you, Jesus, for your representation as light. We thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to be imitators of our Father, of the kingdom of light, to walk as children in the light, Lord. And we just pray that you would help us Help us, Lord. God, if we're not being fulfilled in you, but we're still seeking our fulfillment in this world, Lord, help us to receive your goodness. Father, if we're still living in shame and condemnation, Lord, and our hearts not experiencing your freedom as a son of God, Lord, help us to experience your freedom. God, if we're a light, that is blended in with this world, Lord, and we allow darkness to come and put a bushel over our head that it gives off no shine, Lord. Help us to be bold. Help us to be bold for your name's sake and in love to express that light, to shine that light, Lord. God, we honor you today. We thank you for our leadership here over this church and how they reflect your heart to us, God. Thank you so much for your heart being reflected to us in this body, Lord. Thank you for Clay. Thank you for Jeremy. Thank you for Justin. Thank you for Matt and Brian. Thank you, Father God, for all the leadership and all the service here, Lord, that's going on, Lord. And I pray that you would encourage us as a body, that you would strengthen us as a church, that we can just begin to see you shine into our communities, Lord. We love you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for keeping my voice together, Lord, today. Yes, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.